Welcome to the Go Loco podcast, entertainment and lifestyle offerings from the Loudon Times Mirror. Hello there. This is the Go Loco podcast. I'm Loudon Times Mirror reporter John Battiston, and joining me as always is Times Mirror editor-in-chief Trevor Baratko. Trevor, how we doing? John, how are you, bud? Um, yeah, you know, good, I guess, I think. Yeah, good, good. We'll go with uh, good. Uh, it's just been been a busy day, busy, busy couple weeks, but we're back for episode number three, Go Loco, and we're heading into a long weekend, so things could be worse. Uh, you have big plans uh, for, for the days ahead? The week has been busy for sure, but uh, yeah, weekend's looking to be a relaxing one. I'm going to be in Charlottesville and Richmond with family and the girlfriend and her family, so I can't complain too much. How about yourself? Excellent. Uh, yeah, that's that's some of the best Old Dominion has to offer uh, outside of outside of Loudon, of course. Of course. Uh, I I have some some big plans, but I can't disclose the big plans at the moment. They're they are. They are top secret big plans, and and I'm not going to disclose them on this on this forum. I'm probably being over over overly secretive, uh, <laughs> but uh, but but uh, I'm gonna leave it at that. All so, right. John, tell us uh, tell us what we have ahead, and for the next you know what 25 35 minutes or so for uh, the third episode. Yeah, for sure. Well, today we've got a special discussion with up-and-coming pop artist Maggie Miles, formerly of Round Hill, now of Nashville. Uh, She and I discuss her debut record, Am I Drowning or Am I Just Learning How to Swim, which launched last week. I also spoke with Owen Palmiotti. He is a co-founder of the Loudon Arts Film Festival, whose live component will be kicking into high gear next week, I believe. And also for Wine Time, we have a chat between you and I'm not going to lie i haven't listened to it yet and i don't know who you're talking what? to tell us a little more what? i'm sorry john john i thought you were running the show i thought you I know, were producing man. this thing and you can't even can't take the time okay all right well i i ha- i know you'll listen to it you, like we said it's been a busy week and you just haven't gotten to it yet uh For but sure. i i chatted earlier this week with doug fabioli the godfather of loud and wine and really just a, a check in with him see how the vintage is going and he also has an exciting new new project in the works uh that that kicks off this month so we talked just very briefly on that but really it was just checking checking in and seeing how doug's doing so then what i guess we also we have something from nate i believe this week Yeah, yeah. My fellow reporter, Nathaniel Klein, has spoken with Carmen Felder. She is a public figure who wears many hats, among which is uh, having founded black businesses of the DMV. Uh, They are going to be speaking about how Loudoners can be supporting black-owned businesses and entertainment options around the county. Nice. Yeah, I know we've we've wanted to get Nate uh, in the mix on the first two episodes, and he's just been too busy uh, covering kind of government and local local goings on uh, around around the county uh so but i am thrilled we're finally going to get get his voice on here so before we jump in need to make a quick plug about uh the the times mirrors new subscription plans that we launched this week uh, it will be quick uh, i feel like that's pretty much all i've been talking about and focusing on for the past week or two but I need to to give a a quick shout out for what we're offering here this week. Uh, Our community members may have seen that we launched a new digital subscription plans this week. And, you know, here here are the central points. 
We have two main options right now, a digital only subscription, which is $7.99 a month, or our Best Buy, the print digital combination package for $9.99. Both options uh, will give you unlimited access to content on loudtimes.com. And the, the uh, combo package gives you unlimited access plus guaranteed delivery of the Times Mirror print edition every week to your home. Uh, without a subscription now, people who come to our site, you'll be able to access a few articles uh, free of charge each month. But then after that, you are going to need a subscription to uh, continue reading our local news coverage, our locally produced, locally generated news coverage. Uh, this, you know, we are doing this, we are launching this uh, to carve our path forward and ensure that we will continue serving the Loud community uh, with local news for decades to come. So uh, thank you so much to everybody who already has subscribed. I've been, I, I, I kind of hate the word overwhelmed, but I've almost been overwhelmed with the support in just a, a couple quick days here. But if you guys, if you folks have not subscribed yet, you can check out those options again at loudentimes.com backslash subscribe, loudentimes.com backslash subscribe. And uh, again, just can't thank uh, the community enough. And we, we really look forward to continuing to serve you guys. Uh, all right, Whew, enough, enough. John, let's get into episode three of the Go Loco podcast. Sounds good. Let's go. While many film festivals across the globe have been postponed or canceled due to the COVID-19 health crisis, the Loudoun Arts Film Festival still plans to go strong, with a drive-in event at 50 West Vineyards in Middleburg starting next weekend. Owen Palmiotti, a maritime registry professional with many creative pursuits, including film production, screenwriting, and novel writing, is the festival's director of development. He and Kaylee Boyle, a local artist and the festival's director, came up with the idea on a whim earlier this year, which is where my conversation last week with Owen began. All of this started with Kaylee and I drinking a beer. Uh, we were at one of the local pubs and she's an artist. She owns an art gallery. I'm, I'm a producer. I, I write books. I write screenplays, produce films. And uh, we were basically just talking and kind of like a, uh, I bet you won't consider it, you know, just kind of goofing off and, and joking around with each other. But uh, we, we came up with an idea to uh, start a film festival that brings awareness to the fine arts, you know, sculpting and painting and that type of stuff, mm -hmm. having uh, performers and live music, uh, doing music videos, stuff like that, because there was just a lot of checkoff boxes that kind of were ticked when Kaylee and I first kind of came up with the idea and hatching it. Um, overall, you know, we, we had uh, over 400 submissions come in. Um, we were able to procure um, a lot of great content. Uh, so we've got two Oscar-winning shorts in the mix. We've got uh, some stuff that have A-list names attached to it. We've got a documentary about the first all-black crew team in the west side of Chicago. So, like, you know, we're, we're trying to procure, you know, the films that bring awareness to the social uh, climate that we're in today. We also are celebrating a middle schoolers project that that is, is just beautiful and phenomenal um we've got you know 40 countries worth of content we've got people from iran that literally have no ability to get their work seen um and and we've got lots of different things we, we brought together a great pitch deck we've got support from a lot of local community uh restaurants and, and vendors we've partnered up with uh 50 west uh, in sunset hills so mike and, and diane there 
uh, are fantastic. Uh, when we first met with them, they just saw our passion. We saw their passion. They've got their own project going on. Uh, it's about quilts, and it's basically in honor of all of the uh, fallen people from COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so they're working on bringing together uh, a project like that to bring awareness for COVID. Um, at, at the end of the day, uh, we have a great idea, you know, a, a pop-up drive-in movie theater at a winery on a beautiful night, sunset, live music, food trucks, you know, all that cool stuff. You know, so what Kaylee and I are trying to do is just bridge the community, try and bring people together. But, you know, when it came push to shove, the whole point of a festival is to network, is to bring people together to celebrate the art and the, the craft of these people. So we kind of brainstormed how, how can we uh, do this safely and still have an event where people can show up and, and do some some safe mingling, you know? And uh, basically the concept arose when we were drinking one day at a winery, local, and uh, we look, looked around and I said, how many acres do you think this winery is? And hey, I think we could probably do a drive-in movie theater. First, I want to say you guys really do have something to be proud of here from the looks of it, especially with all the uh, challenges that you've had to work around. It looks like you've kind of orchestrated uh, what's looking like it's going to be a big boon for a lot of both performers and filmmakers and a lot of other artists around here. So I really congratulate you guys. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And then uh, really the only question that I had, uh, you've covered so much. I wanted to know a little bit of what is going into uh, – the fully virtual side of the festival. I know that there's yeah, going to be part of, part of it that's entirely online. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So the online is broken into different blocks, you know, so there's the shorts, there's the features, there's the documentaries. Um, all of that stuff is outlined on our website. We're using a program uh, called Eventive. So Eventive allows the film festival to program certain blocks and then allow certain procedures. So for example, um, there's, there's distribution deals where um, a distributor will not want a filmmaker to showcase their stuff online because it could potentially be seen in different uh, countries or different states or this or that. So, you know, we, we had to be very flexible and, and look at the coding behind it. It's, you know, so certain blocks will have, you know, you have to be within what, what parameter, you know, X, Y, Z. And, um, you know, th these are all $10 tickets, you know, to basically screen films um, from across the world. And you can do it from the comfort of your home. Um, I feel that uh, with a smart TV right now, uh, a lot of people are, are kind of stir crazy on what they should watch, you know, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. So we have the ability to put together not just a drive-in movie theater uh, with, with 20 films, but having... I think over 80 uh, films that you can watch online and, and you can watch it from your phone, you could watch it from your iPad, you could watch it from your TV, as long as you've got that, uh, you know, that website, uh, smart TV kind of concept. In addition to doing the screenings of those movies, we're doing workshops, we're doing uh, table reads for the screenplays. So, you know, we were talking about what it entails and, and how like the, the networking component is so important. Um, if, if you're a screenwriter and you got accepted into the Loudoun Arts Film Festival and you're within the top five selected, um, you're going to get the opportunity to have a live table read, you know, via 
Zoom, I think it is, but where you can have that interaction, where you can have actors and actresses, not just from the U.S., but from across the globe who sign up for this event, where they can then table read and give you insight on your dialogue. And, and we can have producers, directors, we can have sales agents, producers, reps, you know, talent managers, we can have all of these people from all of these walks of life, composers, you know, because that's the thing is we want to add value. And as a first year film festival in the middle of a global pandemic, if, if we can bring together the community, if we can get some people some work and jobs and, and the ability to get their stuff seen, um, I think we're just hitting a home run. We're, we're, we're scoring a hat trick. Uh, we scored a try. I'm running out of sports analogies, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think we're getting the job done. Um, you know, there, there's going to be certain things that we have to adapt and change, but, you know, we're, we're kind of shooting for the lowest tier because we want to make sure that everyone's safe, that we have an event that we can still pull off because you know, part part of this is that pride thing. It's you know, you slap your name on something. I don't want to be known for that person who just uh, gives up and you know, there's a struggle. So, oh, let me just throw in the white flag and surrender. Um, you know, I, I think showcasing what uh, local talent can do to the broad audience is is something that uh, is going to put us on the map. Owen, thank you so much for talking today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, you have a good one. Cheers. You, you too, man. Bye. The in-person portion of the Loudoun Arts Film Festival will take place September 10th through 13th and September 17th through 19th. Drive-in tickets cost $50. You can find more information at loudonartsfilmfestival.com. Hey there. It's my favorite time of the week, which means it's wine time with Trevor. I recently chatted with the so-called godfather of Loudoun County Wine, award-winning winemaker Doug Fabioli of Fabioli Cellars and Luckett's. Aside from his own operation just north of Leesburg, Doug has served as an ambassador of the Virginia wine industry and the greater rural economy. He has also opened the new Ag School, which is based at his property. His latest venture includes the Loudoun Country Market, which highlights various farmers and rural vendors and launches on September 10th. Let's hear from Doug in his own words. Doug, you know, I was uh, doing my research and uh, I actually discovered that there are six people in Loudoun County who, who haven't met you yet and who don't know you. For those six people, go ahead and uh, tell us about yourself and your road to Loudoun County. Well, I think that the county continues to grow, so there's always a few more. Uh, all right. about self-promotion, but really what I try to do is more collaborative promotion and help others. So I've been in the wine business for almost 40 years. Started in upstate New York, did 10 years in California, and moved to Loudoun when we had about four wineries in 1997. So I've helped a lot of other folks get started along with the what we call the, the 3D uh, tapestry of Loudoun County's rural economy. It's kind of a, a touch to my soul, and we always want to keep working together to build that up and make it sustain for years to come. And so Fabioli Sellers launched, what was the launch year for the winery? Yeah, we, opened that in, uh, we opened the doors in, I believe it was, uh, yeah, it would be 2006. So we're just almost, we're coming up on 15 years here. And uh, it's, it's done well. We, you know, it's a bootstrap, so it's a small operation, but we built step by step. It used to be just in the, in the basement of our home, and we built a nice tasting room, and we try to get out on the wholesale level as well. It's, it's working pretty good. 
And, and I feel like I know you well enough to know no regrets on your end. At least my conversations with you, uh, it seems that there are no regrets. You know, you choose you choose the direction you're going to travel. And uh, we've been doing this for a while. And there are points along the way where you say, gee, can I do something else? And no, we're in it. We're in it strong. And, you know, it's really... In our mind, and my wife is very much with it, even though you don't see her very much. It's helping other people. It's it's building a good community. It's making this thing function again for generations to come, where uh, folks are going to really enjoy what we've got. Um, so we're going to kind of talk a little bit quickly on the pandemic. And knowing you're, you know, usually a very forthright guy, so I'm going to ask, and I understand if you don't want to answer. But, you know, off the cuff, how much revenue would you say you have lost due to the pandemic? You know, our revenue's kind of shifted. I mean, if I'm going to throw a number at it, maybe we're down 10, 15 percent. But what it is now is it seems like more people are coming and sitting and not really taking the wine home as much, but they're buying the food that, that's here. So, you know, we do a lot of prepared stuff and, and, and that seems to be working. So we're kind of looking at how we can encourage people to bring a little more wine home. But the most important thing that we see is that these people need space. We have space. So come on out. Yeah. That's the important thing. I mean, yes, we build our businesses on folks bringing bottles of wine home. That's the way it works for us. Mm -hmm. But we want them out. We want them to be able to have that that, uh, relief of being stuck inside and just get some open air. And, uh, you know, we, we obviously we want them to buy something and keep us in business. But um, we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with wineries, you know, open air and most places have the luxury of, of spacing things out a little bit. So while there is no bulletproof solution to, you know, fighting off COVID, if you need to get out and kind of have some form of recreation or entertainment, uh, wineries are just about your best bet, I think, in Loudon anyways. What has been the biggest shift for you uh, since this all started in, in March? Well, you know, there's a level of uncertainty. So, you know, I've gotten on the ground more. I'm, I'm working the farm more. I'm deeper in with business. You know, we've had staff that have, have left with COVID and haven't come back because um, their lives have changed. So I think we're just, you know, a lot of other businesses I'm talking to are kind of doing the same thing, is we're back to doing what we're best at and not necessarily trying to expand our businesses. We don't know how long this is going to go, so we're kind of all in a, in a hold things out and keep, keep moving, but don't look to the stars as far as how big you're going to get. Kind of stick, the next steps are. stick to the core product, stick to the core offering, it. it sounds like. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this vintage and how this vintage is shaping up. That's almost one thing that from a, from a nature sense, uh, COVID can't touch is, uh, you know, the, the growing season. So how I, how is 2020 yeah, looking? Right. August is just ending. Boy, we wish we didn't have as much rain as we did. Yeah. But, you know, I was out the other day. Things look good. There's good fruit out there. We did have a frost this spring Mm -hmm. on Mother's Day, so that knocked back the quantity of fruit. 
but what's out there really looks good. I'm nice. excited about bringing it in. It's all starting to come right, and uh, we'll probably start our picking at the end of this week. That is a perfect lead into the next question, which, you know, I think I finally have this down after being out and about on the wine trail for several years. But give folks a rundown on the winery calendar. Uh, you know, year to year, the winery calendar, bud break to harvest to bottling. Tell us your year. So, you know, in the, if we're looking calendar year, January, February into March, the vineyard itself is, is dormant, yep. pruning. Um, it's maybe some ground applications and some other things when they get prepped up for new plantings. But, um, you know, when things start to warm up, things get go quick so that springtime is a is a very busy time to finish up the pruning uh to, to plant new vines to start our our you know we have to spray our fungicides out there to keep the diseases from going so that's always in in play but it plays as soon as the leaves bud out and that's in april mid-april usually this year it was a little early, but it was really cool. So those buds were just kind of hanging, and mm-hmm. the leaves were kind of not growing because it was cool all the way into May, which was when that last frost came and, and kind of nailed us and knocked us back. So at that point, then things start to grow again, and they have less crop, but we're taking care of them. They grow quick. The sun's out. Early June to mid-June is when the fruit starts to set. Um, and you get little berries out there, and then they start to expand and grow. We're tucking up the shoots continuously and edging back and trying to build that, what I call the uh, the solar panel, is that, that canopy of, of vine, just right. a, a nice, long, straight line, and, and get that sunshine in to put the energy into that fruit. Right about end of July is when they start to change color. That's a verasion point is what we call that. Mm-hmm. And then that starts, the grapes start to sweeten up. The acids are starting to drop. They're getting softer and they're getting closer. And then usually by the end of August and then early September is when we start that harvest process. And that may go, depending on the varieties, it may go into October and sometimes even into later, into November, depending on what grapes in the growing season and all that. So it starts all over again. Well, and you mentioned your expansion and just kind of your lending lending a hand to anybody who needs it in the rural Loudoun in the business community. Uh, so tell us about this new venture of yours, which I know we, we wrote about and have a story up at uh, LoudonTimes.com, but the new Loudoun Country Market. Uh, give us your elevator pitch on that. Okay, so basically we have been doing a program called the New Ag School for a number of years, and that's trying to teach people how to grow things or, and how to, how to value-add um, you know, process as well as sell. And this market is kind of a natural step off of that. So we're going to have some of our students there. We're encouraging the local businesses to come out. The teachers for the new ag school are the, are the farmers. So they're the mentors. So we wanted to give them the opportunity to also come out, sell their wares, teach a little bit about what they're doing. And uh, hopefully we're going to generate some new farmers out of this thing. And uh, obviously some good music and a nice bite of something to eat and some good, a little good wine here and there. Um, And I think it's going to be a nice time. It's a chance to get out. It is, you know, we're going to be practicing social distancing. We want to see a good crowd, but not too big because, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep that space. Yeah. But it's a, 
good chance. We're going to see how it goes, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing some folks. And, and give me the schedule on that real quick. So we are looking at Thursdays 4 to 7 at Fabioli Cellars, um, and our first one's going to be uh, September 10th, gotcha. and then we'll be the next four Thursdays, and then we're going to see from there. We may continue swelling into October, um, or we may just say, okay, we're done for the season, and we start fresh in the spring. Gotcha. Fantastic. Well, Doug, that that uh, is really excellent. I appreciate it as always. I always glean new information and insight anytime I have the good fortune of chatting with you. So, thank you so much, man. And uh, Trevor, keep- so it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and I love to see your passion for our community. Since relocating to Nashville from Round Hill in 2019, things have been moving pretty quickly for 21-year-old pop musician Maggie Miles, who released her debut full-length record, Am I Drowning or Am I Just Learning to Swim, on August 26th. She and I chatted last week about her creative process, life on the road, before the pandemic, that is, and what her career looks like from here. So a lot has happened since uh, since you and I last talked. I think we spoke in November, and you know, back then you were still already saying you were you know going to be trying to put out a full length record in the near future, and you know it's finally happening in you know like seven ish hours, and so. Uh, but obviously things have changed a lot since then, uh, just in the state of the world. So how did you manage to still pull off the record given everything that's gone on? That's a really good question. I mean, honestly. Most of the album was pretty much done up until like March. So everything that was kind of actually taking it to the finish line was just mixing and mastering. You know, I didn't have to be in a room with a bunch of people for that. Even for the production of the record, it's, I think, out of the 12 songs, two of them were done in like a big studio. Big studio, like we cut specifically the drums in the studio or specifically my vocals. Most of them were done in like bedrooms and which is, I I think that's super cool because that's like the bedroom pop kind of vibe, but like none of my music as cool as bedroom pop is. I feel like it doesn't really fit into that category, unfortunately. Like I think of like Claro or like some more just kind of like lo-fi indie, like super cool stuff. I feel like mine can sound a little bit wider Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't think it's like bedroom type production. Yeah, I was about to say it's much more like large scale than what I associate with. But like I think of like Youth Lagoon or like you said, Claro, like it's supposed to almost sound like a whisper, but yours are your stuff is much more ostentatious than that. And that's not a bad thing, obviously. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, you spent the last few weeks sharing the lyrics to the tracks on the album on your Instagram and uh, your other social media. And you could already kind of tell this from the tracks that you released long before the record. But one of the more pervasive themes seems to be you know, emotional health and inner peace or the lack thereof. And so what are the ideas that fueled your songwriting uh, most during the production period? It's kind of weird because I didn't really know I was writing an album until I wrote Swim, um, which was in October, okay. because the biggest change for me in moving to Nashville was just like how often I was writing songs um, and that there were like eyes consistently on what I was writing which is like horrifying um, because before that I was just writing for myself and Mm -hmm. I still try to maintain that mentality of like it being like a therapeutic thing for me or like a necessity. I I guess I I just was writing all these songs because I was being placed in these rooms with these producers and or told to like reconvene by myself and, and make things. And I guess I just had this like awakening when I wrote the chorus to swim where I was just like, this seems to 
encapsulate like thematically what I've been kind of jotting down the past couple months Mm -hmm. and um, or the past month, I guess, at that point. By October, I had written eight out of the 12 tracks on the record in like that month. And like, I didn't know that they all were kind of like going to be together until that song. Mm -hmm. And so once that happened, I was, I went to my manager and I was like, this is a long shot because I know I just got here, but could we take these demos and I just like produce them out and we make it a record. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, okay. What kind of like told me that they all were fitting into this like colorful cake of more symmetry was because sonically they all are pretty diverse from one another but they all seem they're kind of telling the same story and I think that's because they're all pulling from me processing events in the past like at the same time Mm -hmm. the year leading up to me moving from Virginia was very difficult I experienced like really horrible heartbreak Um, I experienced really like traumatic change in my family, weird instances where like who I am as a person, my faith, everything was being challenged and questioned. And it was like all crashing down at once. And I was in this rut and not really processing anything. And I had written Split and Sanitized Things. And Split I had already put out on like a separate thing, but Sanitized Things I've just been like holding on to. And technically, I mean, you could say it was the first song that I wrote on the album. So I think that's kind of what the album is. It's me processing all of that. Obviously, there aren't really many live performances or touring opportunities going on right now, which is often one of the key components in promoting an album. So aside from your social media activity, what strategies are you employing to get the word out? Man, uh, word of mouth. I did this really weird campaign. Uh, Basically, I looked at on Spotify, just like on the back end, what my top like cities were. And I contacted people who were connected via colleges to internship partnerships type of stuff in like the publishing world and sent them all these little posters that I made with a picture of me in like a sparkly pink leotard holding a cup of coffee. And it was just like, at first I designed this like super cool like poster and it had like the album name on it, like all these question marks and then like a QR code for like the pre-ad. And I like printed it out and I was like, no, this is really cool, but it's just still doesn't feel on brand. And so I went through like my story archives and I just found this bizarre picture that I posted one day and um, I was like, this is it. So I like printed out that picture, put the QR code in the corner, didn't say anything about the album and then mailed them out to all those cities and had them post them up um, on campuses, post them up around like downtown areas. I think we just hit 700 pre-saves on the album. Sheesh. And I don't know if that's like, just from that, I don't know what it is, but I was just like, I know this is super weird. And my team was like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so just trying to think of like ways to see what people respond to and, and what people want uh, from me exactly. And like remaining intact with myself very strongly. Before everything shut down, where would you say your favorite places that you have performed so far and uh, how come? Oh man, dude, that's tough. Uh, so last time I went on tour was February. I I would say the first show of that leg in New York, I played Mercury Lounge. There's so many lounges. Yeah, there's, Um, there's a ton there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, the staff was super cool. Um, the stage and the sound was just like awesome. Mm -hmm. 
but most of all, it was just a killer set. You know, and like, even if you like go to a show and just the energy in a room is just inexplainable, like you just have to be in it. Like people didn't know who the heck I was. And that feeling of being like, you know, you're the underdog. People are there very much for the headliner. They're like, I don't really just let's get through the opener. Like, you know, that feeling like we've all thought that like, I've totally been to a show and been like, all right, let's get the headliner out here. Mm -hmm. But it changes when you're that like opener. You're like, all right, I got to win this crowd over. It's like a challenge. You need to go out there and make the show memorable because you were opening it. I love that feeling and challenge of winning a crowd over. It was just like the coolest show. Mm -hmm. There was not really even that many people in the crowd, but it just, it was just such a memorable thing. And it was in New York city and like, I don't know, growing up in a small town, I'm sure you're like, you can relate just like anytime you go to the city, you're just like, this is sick. (laughs) Like, you know, and it was like, we had to park so far away and it was February in New York and rainy. And I just remember like lugging my refrigerator sized keyboard, like, on this car and we're all just like so cold. We walked for like nine blocks, like so cold and rainy. And we were just, I just felt like a rock star. Like it was just like, this is sick. This is the life, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's probably up there. Second one would probably be Jam and Java. That's like, just, you can't go wrong. Like hometown pride always. I love that place. Have you uh, been working on any material that's going to kind of go beyond this record to new stuff that you're excited about? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to share about it too much if you're trying to oh, keep it under wraps right now. You're good. Uh, I I've been writing a lot during quarantine, mm-hmm. and it's seeming to fall into place as far as like more and more the sound that's going to be like my sound. I've really like dove headfirst into like production, and that's been a whole animal in and of itself because it's kind of like learning a new instrument. But it's mm-hmm. I've always been part of like co-producing and very involved in that, but doing it completely alone is like honestly really scary because I'm there's so many little like things as far as engineering goes that I've had to learn but it's good because it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to put it out you know like I have to put out this song that isn't EQ the best but it's like no I'm learning and a couple nights ago I woke up in the middle of the night and basically wrote out what it is my next album's like going to be about to the title of it so my gosh which that's like the exact opposite of what happened with the last one. Then it could change. It could change in like a month. And I'm like, that wasn't a good idea. That was, <laughs> you know, like that happens all the time. A surprising amount of music has been dropping this year, given the state of the world. And so, you know, besides your own, what are your, some, some of your favorite records that you've heard in 2020 so far that you'd like to get people listening to? Oh man. Notes on a conditional form. I don't know if you listen to 1975. I do. I haven't heard that one yet. Okay. So you're going to have to like set aside a good like hour and a half to listen to it. I, yeah, that band is doing what you're supposed to do as a band. Mm -hmm. They're like inspiring inspiration. And that is so cool. Like the intention of creating something that's so much more than just you. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not creating Maggie. I'm creating music that I want people to take and, and do with it that, what they will. And, and the intention of creating a community and creating art that lives longer than me, you know, like, and not for any of my benefit, for the benefit of like earth and humans. Like I could go on about it for a while, but yeah, that album is excellent. I'm happy to send you a playlist or something. 
I I welcome it. Yeah, for real. Maggie, thank you so much for talking to me, and I appreciate your time. Again, congratulations on the record, and uh, hopefully I'll be talking to you again real soon when some other astronomical development has inevitably oh <laughs> has inevitably happened to you because, uh, you know, you're doing great things. Well, thank you so much. That really means a lot. Am I Drowning or Am I Just Learning to Swim is available now on major streaming platforms, and might I say, it is absolutely magnificent. You can learn more about Maggie Miles at maggiemilesmusic.com. Hello, I'm Nathaniel, joined by a woman who wears many hats, Carmen Felder, retired U.S. Air Force veteran and now a public figure with ties to Loudoun County. She's the founder of Authentic Connections, Black Businesses of DMV, and president of 89 Ways to Give Foundation. During a time when COVID-19 has suspended and shut down many minority businesses, she has helped to promote Black businesses and leaders in Loudoun County and throughout the region. They can be found in the restaurant, tourism, tech, entertainment, and sports industries, to name a few. Carmen, thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Empowerment was a key word you shared with me when creating the Facebook group Black Businesses of DMV in June. Explain why. Well, when you think of the word empowerment, and you even look at the definition, is to it's basically a word to give to, to uplift, and to become or make someone stronger and more confident in who they are. Well, in this climate, uh, we really need to not only empower, but highlight and uplift the black businesses that are around county. So when I thought about helping all of the businesses, I needed to empower them first. That was the first step. That's where empowerment came from. One of the biggest surprises for visitors and maybe to longtime residents in Loudoun is the variety of black businesses. Do you agree? Yes, I definitely agree. When I started the group and as I've been to so many businesses, there are so many I didn't even know existed. And I'm like, wow, I, I've been living here for, you know, so many years and I just ran into it or with word of mouth. And if you don't know business exists, how can you empower or uplift them? So that is key for us to know, like, who's actually out there? What do they offer? And how can we help them? And I think that Loudon residents are really, like, being wowed by knowing that there are a lot of businesses that they had no idea even existed. One of your most recent efforts was assembling business owners and leaders for a photo shoot recently. How do you plan to use those photos? Every sense that, you know, the climate has changed with, you know, black empowerment, I've seen a lot of people use stock photos, right? And I thought to myself, why are we using stock photos when we have people, powerful people, influencers right here, right in our community that we can use their actual pictures and actually get to know them as we see them in different places. So I thought, okay, our first step was get a lot, line a lot of, wonderful, powerful influences in the county. And then let's decide how we're going to use it. If it's for my black businesses of B&B, if it's for postcards, if it's for stock photos to assist other black businesses to use, not a stranger, but someone in your community. And guess what? When you relate or know someone, you tend to use that business more often. So if this can help them by just using our photos for that, that's great. The courthouse alone has so much history, not always the best history. So I thought, if we're going to do something, let's do something that has meaning. And being on that ground was so powerful, uh, a ground where 
we were sold as slaves and done so many probably horrible things that we wouldn't even want to mention. Now you have these powerful black business women and men coming together to unite to show that there can be a change. History does not have to be something that we always look negative upon. We can change history and make the future a better place. So we had a great time with photo shoot, and I'm really excited to uh, promote those pictures and allow people to see what uniting black businesses and people really look like, what that, what that could look like if you actually work together and come and do something that was really fun. I mean, we had a fun time. I didn't know I was going to have that much fun that day. How can the community assist black businesses in Loudoun? Promote these black businesses. Um, write reviews for them. And, you know, word of mouth is key. Tell your friends, oh, my goodness, I went down to Johnny Ray's and I had some amazing food. Or I used this commercial uh, company for my office that's opening back up uh, with Fred Smoot, and he did an amazing job. So promote, write reviews, use your social um, accounts and, and, you know, make them visible on your social media. I mean, those are just a couple things you can do that are simply free. And then hopefully after COVID-19 is over, we can actually use more of these businesses more often. And, and lastly, what's the next step towards your goal? Well, you know, I, Black Business of, of D&B, we're almost at 7,000 people, which I'm very proud of. And in the group, we have talked amongst each other. We have purchased from each other. And the next step would be, God willing, after COVID-19 is over, that we actually can meet each other and have some real events where not only do you get to meet them, you can use their products and talk about their services. And that way, all these 6,000, hopefully 10,000 by that time, um, can use each other's businesses and through that they can gain more revenue um, and get more visibility. And now your 60 seconds of cinema. Movies are back, kind of. Depending on where you live in the U.S., a number of theaters are finally reopening their doors with social distancing measures in place. However, there are still opportunities to see new flicks on the big screen for those who aren't quite comfortable enough to take a seat in a cineplex just yet. The Alamo Drafthouse in Ashburn, in particular, recently began drive-in screenings of new films, including Tenet, Christopher Nolan's long-awaited crime thriller which has suffered several release delays. However, if the couch is calling your name, there are several new streaming releases at your disposal. My most recent watch was Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix. I won't say much, other than it's about as Kaufman-esque as Kaufman gets, so if being John Malkovich, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Adaptation were just a little too weird for you, I'd keep my distance from this one. Keep an eye out for my movie reviews and other film-related content at loudintimes.com. Finally, let's take a look at six highlights from our community calendar as compiled by Times Mirror community editor, Karen Graham. 
The fall season is fast approaching, and that means a lot of great fall activities, including those offered at Great Country Farms in Bluemont. Now they are offering apple picking and a corn maze from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, except for Sundays when they're open until 6 p.m. Every day you can enjoy fresh pressed apple cider, apple cider donuts. The kids can also have fun in a 12-acre play area. And on weekends, there will be live music, marshmallow roasting, and cider pressing demonstrations, including fresh cider samples. Advanced tickets aren't required for weekdays, but they are highly recommended for the weekends when it's most crowded. For tickets and more information, you can go to greatcountryfarms.com. The Loco Musicians Festival is in its third year this year and is now a ticketed event. It's going to be taking place at 868 Estate Vineyards in Percival on Sunday, September 6th, starting at 2 p.m. More than 35 area musicians are going to play music and jam together during this fundraiser event for local Loudoun artists, both up-and-comers and established creators. There's going to be wine, beer, and food for you to enjoy while you listen to some tunes. You can bring your own chairs and blankets, even pop-up tents in designated areas. Tickets, a list of performers, and more information are available at bit.ly slash locofest2020. Up next, we've got the Loudoun Arts Film Festival, and I've already probably talked your ear off about that one, but it bears repeating. It's going to be a 50 West winery in Middleburg from September 10th through 13th, and then from September 17th through 19th, it's going to be a drive-in event with limited tickets available, so buy those at loudonartsfilmfestival.com. Starting September 19th and going until November 3rd is going to be the Pumpkin Village at Leesburg Animal Park. It'll be open from 9.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily, and between the slides, the pedal carts, the kids' hay maze, the petting zoo, and the kitty zip line, there's going to be plenty for the little ones to do, or for the young adults like myself who have not fully grown up just yet. For more information on that one, you can go to pumpkinfestleesburg.com. Another live music opportunity will be at B Chord Brewing in Round Hill on September 20th, where Lonesome River Band is going to be playing with Springfield Exit starting at 4 p.m. You are encouraged to bring a chair or blanket. Please wear a mask and exhibit social distancing mandates to keep others safe within the vicinity. Tickets are $25, and you can find more information at bcordbrewing.com. And finally, on September 23rd, Echelon Wine Bar is going to be hosting one of their regular wine tastings. The theme of this one, Unexpected Wine Regions of the World. You'll get to experience some high-quality, full-bodied wines from more unexpected regions across the globe. Tickets are $40 per person and include six wines for you to try. This event will be taking place September 23rd from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And you can find more information at echelonwinebar.com. That's all for this episode. For more coverage of the stories presented in this episode, as well as other Loudoun County news, check out the links in the episode description, and check in regularly at loudontimes.com. For the Go Loco podcast, I'm John Battiston. We'll see you next time.